Okay. Hello, everyone. Trust everyone is doing great. Um, hope you all had wonderful weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get um, our setup here going. One second. Yay! Um, recovering from the prayer stretch. Not recovering, trying to not recover, but resting. Let me say resting for the prayer stretch, yes. <laughs> awesome! Glad to see that. You're doing good too, Blessing. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Mr. Renita and the Great Family joined us online the whole way through. Y'all are amazing. <laughs> amen, amen. Okay, I think we're good to go. Um, let me make sure I have my phone here with me. One second.
All right, so ready to go. Yay. Okay, let me post the links also. So sorry, I got stuck in traffic, and so I had to rush back down to um, get everything set up. And I'm a little behind schedule here. Let me figure this out. Okay, Sunday's recording. Um, wow, many people are asking for it. So what we're going to do is we are going to make uh, everyone that's requesting that send Cavodulum the profile a friend request, and we will make those sessions available um, to everyone that wants them. So like Ananti um, Antifaluke requested for them, so we will make that available for, as well. So yeah. Sorry, we don't. We usually don't stream like those meetings. They're usually private, if that makes sense. Um, so that's why um, you wouldn't see them on our Facebook page, for example, or on our YouTube. And what we'll probably be doing from now onwards is streaming them to our private YouTube, so that we stream privately. So basically, you want to send our Facebook profile, the Cable Doolin Facebook profile, send it to a friend request. And then once we receive the friend request, we will enable, we'll put you in a playlist that you can look at some of our unlisted videos. So basically, um, prayer meetings, private meetings and different things, they're broadcasted and sent to like a specific group of friends. And so we'll just add you all to that group so you can see um, Sunday's live stream. We have the entire thing um, captured there. Um, I think we could do better. We could definitely do better on like, but the thing is that people who are working in media are also like being imparted and praying as well. So like um, at different points in time, you can tell like, oh, media wasn't available because they were on the floor <laughs> under the power or something like that or whatever. Okay, I think we're good to go. Um, let's get this party going. Awesome, awesome. Good evening, everyone. Um, give me one second. Let me take care of something. I just forgot something. Give me one second. I'll be right back. Okay, we're good to go now. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, okay, and something IG as well. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, so um, welcome everyone. Um, welcome, Abby. Welcome, Eva. Welcome, Antifaluka. Welcome, Pastor Samson. All right, we can pray. Let me turn this music down. 
Awesome. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our minds. We bless your name, even for this time together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is Word for Now. I'll put the graphic on the screen. And um, Word for Now. Am I recording? Yes, I am. Word for Now um, takes place every Monday from 8 p.m., but um, this might be, might be our last one for the year, just because we're rounding things up and things are being packed up because of our upcoming Teen and Young Adults Conference, um, the Immersion. Yes, that's taking place um, on Sunday. It's crazy. We've been praying for this thing for so long. It's finally here, right? It's crazy. Um, Trusting God for wonderful things to happen. Um, we have been praying and will continue praying for the immersion. Our underwater prayer meetings um, technically um, ended on Friday. That's with the vigils. Um, but the fasting continues. And uh, we would like post like future vigils at the venue or whatever prayer meetings we're going to be having on site um, later on. We haven't yet arrived at specific like instruction from the Lord on how we're going to go about that. So stand by for all of that um, but if you haven't registered please do that's the information you need you can visit us on instagram facebook um, our website um, eventbrite we're right there you can get registered and um, get all set up and you're good to go attendance is free dorms um, cost specific price we have limited rooms um, we opened up a few more spaces recently um, dorms uh, let me see here yeah, we have limited rooms for shared dorms and limited rooms for single dorms. Sorry, we have limited spots for shared rooms and limited spots for single rooms. So um, basically, like, register quickly so you can get a spot. That's the goal. Okay. Hallelujah. All right. So um, last time we were, <laughs> we had our Tales by Moonlight. I'm sure a few of you might remember that. That was a fun one, huh? And um, we basically were talking about um, the book of the wars of the Lord. And we were looking at genealogies. Um, basically, we looked at how the book of life, amen, in the book of Revelations, hallelujah, the book that's referenced all throughout the scriptures from the book of Exodus all the way to the end, speaks on how God all throughout history is trying to bring down his genealogy, amen. And um, just to prove all of that, let's take a quick look at a, a portion of scripture here I think would help um, hammer that into us. Amen. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 5. Okay. So it says here, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them. And he blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So both Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God, right? That was God's goal, that both male and female would achieve this climax, this form that Jesus Christ came into. This is why in Christ Jesus, there's no male, there's no female. It's the fall that introduces that dichotomy and that separation. They both have unique roles, but the, um, what is the word now? How do I phrase this now? The superiority that the fall has brought to one gender or the curse has brought to another um, is taken away basically, okay? The Bible says here, God blessed and um, called the name Adam and they were created. Adam lived 130 years old and begat a son in his own likeness. <coughs> begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Hallelujah. Now, 
right there you can see, <coughs> excuse me, right there you can see when God said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness, what God was talking about. Because Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. In other words, when God said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness, God was looking to give birth to someone, right? God was looking for a family. And we can tell this from the scriptures. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, that God spoke in many ways in times past um, to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he's speaking to us by his son. In the original language, it says, speaking to us, his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So when God is looking for Adam means to come into the image and likeness of God, he wanted him to look like his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, the son of God, amen, is the one that comes into the, who came into the image and likeness of God. So if God wants you to come into his image and likeness, he's telling you he wants to give birth to you, right? He wants to make you his son. Hallelujah. And so because of that, you know, this theme of the book, right, of the generations, the book of the genealogies is so important, amen, especially to Hebrew people because they're primarily concerned with where people came from. Here's, here's a good example, okay? It says here, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, amen? And you see Jesus Christ's genealogy being traced um, all the way up to David and even further still to Abraham, hallelujah. You see Luke's records going, um, I think Luke's records go backwards. Um, Luke chapter 3 from verse, let's see here, 23? Yes. Jesus himself had become about 30 years of age, being as was supposed to be the son of Joseph. This is Joseph, um, the husband of, of, um, of Mary. This is the reason why we have two different genealogies, amen? It's because of the original Hebrew that Matt, the book of Matthew was look, um, written in wasn't correctly translated um, from Latin, right? Yes. There was, so the original Hebrew was correctly translated to Greek. And then when the Greek was translated to Latin, the original Latin wasn't properly translated into English. You're going to run into issues like that all throughout the scriptures, by the way. This is not just in the genealogy. If you look up um, I think it's Ephesians chapter 5. I'll give you a quick example. So Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, I'll give you a quick example of a translation error. So here is um, Ephesians 5 from verse um, 8. The Bible says here, it's important to us because this has to do with our theme, Father of Lights. The Bible says we were sometimes darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, <clears throat> he says walk as children of light then he now says for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness as tr and truth now when i would read this i would ask myself how does the, what does the fruit of the spirit have to do with this amen and i would try engaging and trying to figure out like what exactly is paul saying here when he said the fruit of the spirit only to one day check the original greek and discover that oh my goodness he never said the fruits of the spirit there he actually said the fruits of light amen so that verse ephesians 5 verse 9 it should read, for the fruit of light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Amen? But because of the whole translation issue, we end up with a bit, you know, bits of confusion here and there. Um, without translations, we will not have the Bible. So we have to be grateful 
But at the same time, as wonderful as that gratitude is, we have to go the extra mile to make sure that the shortcomings of the translators don't affect our spiritual lives. Does that make sense? Someone says, how does this affect my spiritual life? When you're waging spiritual warfare, is the scriptures that you use. And if the scriptures is not translated correctly, you'd be in trouble. I'll give you a quick example. Um, if you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, let's start from verse um, 23. You're going to see a very scary thing I'm about to show you here, okay? Now, the Bible says here, um, let's start from verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another in, with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, when you read this, it says being born, being born again, like present continuous tense. Now, if you read this and you're not careful, you think that that's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not saying that you are being born again. Amen. This is a translation error. This should have said, having been born again. If you read it in the New King James, you see that that is corrected in New King James. Amen. But not everything in the Bible is corrected. When I say the Bible, I mean the English Bible. Not everything in the KJV or even in NKJV is, you know, is correctly, is properly corrected. Amen. I'll give you another quick example. If you go to Revelations chapter 9, you will see, um, sorry, chapter 8. Yes, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the, of the, of the earth for the, by virtue of the many three angels about to sound. So verse, verse 12. Uh-huh. So if you read, it says, yeah, and the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten. Amen? Let's see, Revelations chapter 8, from verse 12. Mm-hmm. Third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so that the third part of them was darkened, and a third of the day shone not, and the night likewise. And I beheld, and I heard an angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the voices, the other voice of the trumpets of the three other angels, which are about to sound. Now where it says, I beheard, uh, I beheard, I beheld. <laughs> And heard an angel. That's when you combine combine be, beholding and, and hearing. Beheld, beherding. <laughs> I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven. Okay? Now, the original Greek doesn't say an angel was flying. It says an eagle was flying. Amen? So there's all these little things here and there. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to scare you or make you uncomfortable about the authenticity of you know, what you refer to as the Bible. I'm just trying to encourage us to not be satisfied with what might have been the status quo, right? What might have been referred to as um, the KJV, the authorized King James Version of the Bible, amen? <laughs> when re really it was actually some translators, amen? And they made some mistakes. So you just have to, don't be afraid to check the original Greek, the original Hebrew from time to time um, when you feel like something is not sitting well, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Oftentimes you get a prompting from the Lord, like you won't need to study more into this. And then when you do so, you discover all of these things. Amen. So when you look up the, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, amen, you will see, amen, the, 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 the trajectory that Jesus Christ came from. All the way from Adam, all the way through Abraham, all the way through David, and then landing in the book, in the Gospels, basically. Amen. And we've been explaining how this book, amen, Hallelujah. Doesn't just capture the bloodline, but it also captures the struggles. Amen. It also captures um, the the um, 
<clears throat> the conflicts, the different things necessary for that which is in God's heart to be poured out. Does this make sense? Make sure my microphone is here. There it is. Okay. Amen. And so you see things like the book of the wars of the Lord. We looked at this last time, right? Where we looked at the story of King Agag and um, the house of Kish. Amen. The Amalekites. And we looked at King Agag. First of all, we looked at um, the king of Amalek, first of all, when Israel came out from um, Egypt. And then he ambushed them as they were coming out. They were just a band of slaves. No defenses, no constitution, no, no sense of patriotism. It was every man for himself. That's the worst time to attack any people group when they don't even know what they're being delivered for. This guy came and ambushed them and it was the Lord that helped them. Moses went and stood on the mountain and then he raised up his hands. And while his hands were raised, Joshua was able to wage warfare successfully, amen? And um, the Lord took note of that, amen? And later on, you see um, the first one of the major assignments that um, I almost said Apostle Saul. Saul was given when he was made king was to kill off that bloodline, men, women, and children. Now, when you see the Bible making reference to people being killed, bloodlines, men, women, and children, you know, modern day human rights laws and human perspectives, amen, will come up with a thought process that this God is wicked. <laughs> this Yahweh of the Old Testament was one cruel God. He would even tell them to cut out the baby from the belly. Amen. But, you know, without context, you might not understand what was actually happening. Amen. In some of these areas. The truth is that many of these bloodlines, amen, that you're seeing here, apart from the fact that they had an agenda against God, many of them were not even human beings anymore. They had so tampered with their bloodlines and their genealogies that it was so difficult to trace, amen, anything of, 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 of God into them. It was so difficult. You, you see, that's one of the reasons why the flood happened, amen. When the flood happened, all the giants that were around in Noah's time, all of them were buried alive, amen. They were, that was called the floodwaters of, of Noah, according to the scriptures. Amen. When Noah's flood, floodwaters were released, it judged all the giants of his time. Those giants were known for having genetic, amen, genetic abnormalities that were very inconsistent, amen, with the original um, living soul life that was committed into the hands of Adam, amen. There was such corruption and wickedness that very little of man was human anymore, amen. He had been overridden by evil spirits, amen. And not just that they had corrupted and corroded him. They were almost like zombies at a different at some point in time. Amen. Don't be surprised if that's where that thought came from. Amen. And I've shown you, I think I've shown some of you a few of these scriptures before. Um, let me show you one or two things just to hammer this in so you can tell that we are not um, making this up. Amen. So if you go to 2 Samuel 23, let's start from verse um start from verse 1. Let's see here. Okay, we're looking at David's mighty men. Some of the people that they killed. Um, not yet. Not yet. Mm -hmm. Here we go. From verse um, 20. There we go. We get some creepy stuff. Stuff that should be in movie theaters right now. But Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, the son of Abelia, man, this is one of David's mighty men. David's mighty man was like David's secret forces, amen? Like his 007 group, amen? All of them were trained um, um, as priests by David. We can tell this because David took shoebread from the temple when Abiathar was there, when he was running away from Saul. You remember that story? David was running away from Saul after David's victory over um, Goliath and then subsequent victories after that. 
King Saul became jealous. It wasn't that Saul, it wasn't actually Saul, it was Satan, amen? <laughs> he wanted to kill off David's bloodline because that was the new, the same way that, um, you know, if you check the Bible, man, you will see some very interesting stories. You might, this is why the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood because when, when, when Paul said all the statements, he read through the scriptures and he saw, my goodness, this was the same. It was the devil that was fighting all these people and making them fight each other. Do you know that? The famines that rose up in the time of Abraham, in the time of Isaac, and in the time of Jacob, all of them were to kill off Abraham's family. We might think in our minds that that's too much now. The famine affected everyone. Have you read in the Bible where you will see a manslaughter of an entire generation just so that Satan can make sure that one person is dead? Isn't that what happened with Moses' time? When Moses was about to be born, what did Satan do? Satan raised up a specific Pharaoh that chose not to know anything about. When the Bible says that, that that Pharaoh knew nothing about Joseph's um, history. I hope I'm not doing another tale, Tales by Moonlight word for now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. This new Pharaoh, amen, he had no, he chose not to keep in memory, amen, the good things that Joseph did to preserve Egypt, to preserve the empire, to make it grow. And he instead wanted to destroy the, the children of Israel. And what happened was that the enemy stirred his heart to make sure that this man did everything necessary to kill off the Jewish people. Amen. Now, you will see that he tried, first of all, um, with um, telling the midwives to throw away the young, young children into the, into, the, into the river where alligators would eat up the children. And the midwives fought against that. They resisted against that. Amen. The next step was to make sure that not just that they'll be thrown away a midwife, but kill the children. So he's, he released a decree and all children were being chopped off at a specific age right after um, Aaron was born. Well, Aaron first, right after Aaron was like a toddler, maybe a little bit older at that point in time, but Moses was when I was just born, sorry. Hallelujah. And it was the mercy of God that Moses was saved by his parents who were prophetic and could tell that this child has great destiny. Amen. And the one child that Satan was trying to kill by murdering an entire generation, that, that child was preserved. Wouldn't it be really interesting if the abortion you know, um, laws that are happening in America, for example, amen, the the millions of, of, of black children, amen, who have been brutally murdered, amen, quietly, silently, amen. The video on abortion, that's so scary. I watched it um, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, sorry. It was so gruesome. I, I couldn't share it because I didn't want anyone that was dealing with maybe condemnation. There's a way you can post some things and then someone that maybe is trying to come out of something can fall back into, you know, not fall back into sin, but like fall, make a mistake. No, you get what I'm saying, right? They can be traumatized by that and in a way that's not healthy or productive. So I didn't share that, but it's so gruesome. But anyways, um, wouldn't it be interesting if the reason why all that is happening is because a specific child or group of children are meant to be born at this time that God is going to use powerfully? Isn't that what happened with Jesus when Jesus was born? What happened? You know, when Jesus Christ was born, his star, his star appeared in heaven, right? And the wise men followed that star from the east until they came to Israel. Amen. I think they took like maybe two or three years to get to Israel. By the time they arrived in Israel, they went straight to the palace asking, where is the king of, of the Jews? We know he's been born now. When the king heard that a king had been born and wise men traveled for several years to come and bring what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He says, please, go and find him. And when you finish, let me know where he is so I can also come and worship this king. <laughs> what did he do? When the wise men dodged him and ran away, <laughs> the guy released what? He did a infanticide. Amen. I'm just trying to show you the warfare between the bloodlines. Amen. The bloodline of God. Amen. 
and the bloodline of Satan. The Bible says the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, even though he shall bite. Amen. His heel. Hallelujah. So we keep on seeing these wars. Amen. And um, man, how did I? I've really gone far. Let me go back to the story. I'm talking about um, David's mighty men. King Saul. Yes. So King Saul. <laughs> Hallelujah. After uh, what you call it, David's success, amen, began to persecute David. And David ran away. And while David was running away, he, he ran away like almost overnight, if, if that makes sense. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't prepare. He didn't like pack his tools and everything. So he was kind of naked. He needed a sword. He needed food. He didn't have anything. He just ran away for his life. And while he ran away, he packed, you know, some of his mighty men followed him, basically. So they, left, they, they escaped that night right, from, the, from the edge of the sword. It was like a near-death experience. And he slipped away and got to the temple, right? And while he was there, um, he met Abiathar, right, the priest. And then he asked for um, Goliath's sword. And he pretended like he was serving King Saul. And because of, you know, he was one of King Saul's right-hand men, they listened to him and they gave him the sword. But then he asked if they had food. And they said, the only food that we have is shoe bread, which you can only take if you have been sanctified. Amen? Now, David took the shoe bread and no plague broke out on his inside. Please understand, shoe bread, all those things. When we talk about the tabernacle, all these different furniture items, the Ark of the Covenant, amen, and the seven golden candlesticks, these things were heavily charged, amen. They were so charged that if you played around, around these things, you could get, you could get split in half. That's what happened to Uzzah. He wanted to, he wanted to touch, <laughs> he went and touched the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as he touched it to stabilize it, he just split in half. The guy just divided into two. Amen? In broad daylight. Everyone saw him. And they called the name of that place. <laughs> the guy that was split in half. That's literally what the Bible calls, says it. Perez Uzzah. As in Uzzah was split in half this day. Amen? <laughs> like the Red Sea. <laughs> Hallelujah. These things were heavily charged. Amen? They weren't charged um, um, to make you feel goose pimples. Amen? <laughs> they were charged. Amen? They were weapons. Amen? To deal with sin. Hallelujah. And so... What happened was that if you, uh, if you took these things, amen, and you had sin in you, you find that these things will judge the sin on the inside of you. Why? Because the charge that they have is charged from the presence of God, amen? And what presence of God characterizes is light, exposes darkness. So basically, there's a law in, um, in ancient Jewish culture. If you and someone have an oath or disagreement and someone is lying, they can always give you something to eat. And if you are lying, you will just die. <laughs> I think there's a law, law about that concerning um, the virginity of a woman, that if... Um, a, a man is claiming that um, this woman is, is, um, has been sleeping around or doing something um, that damages the covenant. Um, they will present their matter before the priest. And the priest would even argue. Ask, him, ask her a few questions. If she doesn't you know, confess or whatever, then what would happen is that they would bring the stuff from the, um, you know, um, from the tabernacle and they will basically pour concoction and she would drink it. And if... Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, kind of scary. If she is lying, she will die. Amen? If not, she'll be fine. Hallelujah. I think even like maybe good things begin to happen to her because of that. Amen? So um, anyways, I'm saying all these things to let you know that for David's men to also take off the shoe bread, amen, it means that they were righteous. Amen? David's priesthood, David's walk with God, he was teaching them how to walk with God the way he did. And just like how God was saving David, right, from the paw of the bear, the paw of the lion, and eventually Goliath's spear, David was teaching his mighty men the same thing. Hallelujah. So you're going to see some of these stories here. Amen. 
Benaniah, the son of Jehudiah, the son of a valiant man of Kavzeel, who had done many acts, slew two lion-like men of Moab. Now, those two lion-like men are like werewolves. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, he slew a, a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. He slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and a, an Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff and plugged the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things they did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiadiah, and the same. Okay, I'm trying to look for the guy that killed um, Goliath's brothers. They had several, they had like 12 toes or something. It's kind of a gruesome, kind of gross story. But basically, like Goliath's siblings, they all have like extra appendages, right? Um, many of these, these people groups were, they were not human anymore. They were like mutants, amen? And the mutation wasn't the... The one you're seeing, you know, maybe from the MCU, amen? And the way that's probably encouraging, <laughs> you're looking forward to. This is the mutation that Satan wants to bring to end the human race as we know it, amen? It's not a good thing. So that's one reason why these um, decrees were given, amen? And that decree was given to end that bloodline, amen? So that that bloodline will stop propagating darkness upon the earth, amen? And at the same time, amen, um, um, well... Stop, um, yes, look about the earth. Same time, not corrode the human genome. And last but not least, so that the seed of God can prosper on the earth. Hallelujah. Hope everyone understands that. So, um, with all of this taken to heart, amen, and seen, uh, let me just open that portion of scripture that captures explicitly, the Bible calls it the book of the wars of the Lord. Bible says, therefore, it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. Amen. Hallelujah. So you keep on seeing records of different fights. Amen. Between the bloodlines. Amen. This thing continues from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, to Abel. Amen to Cain and them all the way to Jesus' time. Amen. But before we go there, I want to start off with something that's kind of conspicuous. What does conspicuous mean? Conspicuous. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm right. Conspicuous means cons conspicuous. Conspicuous. Cons. Aha. Standing out. That's right. Clearly visible. Cool. This uh, was, will be conspicuous because it is not very common, amen, or not very, not very common. I don't have a lot of, you're going to have to believe a lot of what I am saying right off the bat, okay? But let's just jump in real quick to Genesis chapter 11. Hallelujah. The Bible says here that the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain on the Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, come, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And when you read this story, we don't know what this story is about, right? The Tower of Babel. Now, when you read the story, you might miss out on something very interesting in the prior chapter, amen? Where you can see the roots or where um, the Tower of Babel came from. Let's jump real quick to um, Genesis chapter 10 from verse 7. 
Hmm, that's wrong. There we go. Bible says the sons of Cush were Sheba, Havilah, Sapta, and Rama, and Saptak, and the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. Now read this next few verses. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, whenever you see verses like that, amen, where someone is basically hunting people in the face of God, the Bible is letting you know that there was a community of people that were seeking God and they were holding on or stewarding the presence of God. But then that's what this narrative just told you just now. When, you, when we read this here, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. It doesn't mean that he was hunting people in heaven. No, no, no. It was that people of God were people that were seeking God. Amen. They brought down the presence of God. Amen. And a colony was being formed. Right. Hallelujah. And what happened was that this man, amen, began to go in and hunt, amen, seekers of God and pull them out from seeking God. This was a narrative I discussed last week, amen, or two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Last week was Tales by Moonlight. Two weeks ago was when I spoke about um, um, the descendants of Cain and the descendants of Seth, amen, where I explained that Cain's children, amen, um, specifically Tubal, Cain's children, Jabal and Joe something and Dibida and Nema, okay, all of them were hunters, but not hunters in the orthodox way. They all had unique ways, amen, of um, basically launching attacks into the camp of the righteous. The righteous here in context were the children of Seth, amen, the sons of Seth, those that began to call upon the name of the Lord, according to the very last verse of Genesis chapter 4, amen. And you see all of these men, all right, that were seeking the Lord, amen, they were, they were pursuing after the Lord until that community was invaded, amen, by dark wisdom by dark creativity, by dark priesthood, amen? And you can see, I already explained all of that two weeks ago, so you can hop on our Facebook page or on our Telegram page and get all of that um, if you're interested, if you didn't hear all that stuff, sorry. Hallelujah. So when the Bible says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, amen, you can tell what the Bible is saying, that Nimrod wasn't just a, a cool guy, amen? He, he actually went, he, it's kind of like how witches come into churches now, the ones that are coming in as, as false brethren, as secret agents, as dark agents, amen? Coming in to spy out, amen, the liberty among God's people and search for weaknesses. And when they find a weakness in someone, they begin to attack it until they what? They, they plunder someone. Kind of like the way an evangelist works, right? Evangelist goes to a bar, evangelist goes to a, 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 um, an alleyway, goes to the streets of a, of a city, of a community, in search of souls, amen? And his desire is that he will find someone, right, who is, who can be pivotal, right? Someone who, who is of enough significance that if they submit their hearts to Jesus, amen, that will persuade even more people to turn, all right? That's a hunter, that's an evangelist. <coughs> Hallelujah. Okay, hmm. encoding overloaded. Do I have space here? I have space, we've been encoding overloaded. I'm using a powerful machine, don't you dare say that. Okay, so um, it says here, it's a mighty hunter. Therefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the world. So is he, it, there's actually a saying. That means that he was so efficient at plucking people of God from that community. Now, verse 10 says this, the beginning of his kingdom was what? Babel and Erech and Akkad. 
and Kaune in the land of where? Shinar, where the Tower of Babel and the city of Babel, where city of Babel was built and a tower therein. Amen. Out of that land, he went forth to Assyria and he built Nineveh. Hmm. Are you seeing the foundation of the seven kingdoms of this world, beloved? It was this man, Nimrod. You know, I did a, um, let me turn my camera back on. I did like a little um, broadcast um, a while ago on called Black Lives Matter, amen? And I was sharing a Judeo-Christian perspective on black history, amen? And basically I was hammering on why when people say, um, like when, I remember when, like when Obama was elected president, it was a very emotional time, amen, for many people, hallelujah. Um, everyone was like, wow, so a black man can become the president of America, and blah, 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 amen? And there was this mindset of, wow, racism has ended, you know, different narratives or whatever. My point I want to get across here is that there is a perspective that when black people are successful, amen, is an anomaly, amen? And because of that, um, there's this trend in America of like, you know, encouraging the very the minutest efforts of people of color and very ridiculous things, amen? Um, when you check the Bible, amen, you will see that this dude, Nimrod, was a son of Cush, descendant of Ham. Children of Ham were all dark-skinned. Is everyone listening? That's where African folks come from, amen? So if you're checking, let's say we're basing our, our conclusions on different things or whatever off of maybe history, right? Because that's where we get trends from, from how things have been throughout history. You can never arrive at the conclusions. That, you know, the mindset that people have, amen, concerning um, things like um, slavery in America, for example, or concerning things like um, maybe, because slavery was like, what, maybe like 600 years? I can't remember how long were, how long were, how long were, um, were the slave trade, I can't remember how long it lasted for, but I know it was less than a millennia, amen? Maybe like a few hundred years. I can't remember how long exactly. Can I tell you something? If you check your Bible, amen, you see that the empires of Egypt, Ethiopia, and several other African countries dominated the world for millennia, amen? Egypt was, was not a... I know what the movies, when you think about Egypt, you think about all of these movies like Ten Commandments where the characters are whitewashed, amen? If you check history, amen, and you see the empires that ruled the world for millennia, amen, you're going to see African empires govern most of the world, amen? When I see things like Black Beauty, the ah, Black Beauty can be beautiful too, and then the emphasis on Black Barbie, and that is a Black Barbie, those things are very adorable, amen? But if you check your Bible, King Solomon, right, who married a thousand women, sorry, married 300, excuse me, <laughs> married 300 women, and had 700 wives, amen? 700 girlfriends, concubines, amen? You will see that the one girl that he spoke about was an Ethiopian girl. Is everyone listening? But my, my point in saying all these things is that, you know, when there's no need for discussing race and ethnicity and anything because in Christ, all those things are done away with. But my goodness, people are very ignorant of history. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. Like some of the things I see people saying that, yes, yeah, so Nigeria, put Nigeria on the map and different things or whatever. We, as believers, first of all, that should not even be on our lips. Amen? If anything, what should be happening is that if we're saying put Nigeria on the map, the mindset a believer should have is that the unique um, 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 virtues, that the unique offering, the unique, unique, um, the unique worship, praise, incense that should arrive, arise from Nigeria ought to be offered unto God. Like Paul would say, uh, we have grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith 
among every nation, among every tribe, among every people, every people group for his name's sake. If that is what you are saying, then go right on ahead. But honestly speaking, apart from that, everything else anyone has to say on that topic is rubbish. Because in Christ Jesus, all races have ended. The only way that exists now is Christ and not Christ. That's basically it. Black skin, white skin, purple skin, green skin. You get the idea. Okay. The, in the book of the genealogy of God, when you read the book of Revelations chapter 7, the Bible says that when the census was made, right? And the name of the, of the census was called and it was 144,000. The Bible said that when John turned to look at the 144,000, he saw a people that no one could number of every single tribe and tongue and people group. And all of them had palm fronds in their hands saying salvation to our God and to his Christ. In other words, beloved, amen, the book of life, amen, according to God's desire and heart's intent, amen, was not just meant for the Jewish people, which is an emphasis you see a lot of in the scriptures, amen, but was actually meant to capture all of humanity. Because God made humanity, amen, or desired that humanity will come into his image and his likeness. We can see that from the scriptures, irrespective of the races. What was meant to happen is like what we've explained before, right? All of the races will bring forth, amen, unique functionalities that would mimic, amen, different furniture items in the tabernacle, where all together they would build the spiritual dwelling place of God. Hallelujah. We've shared this several times over and over again, amen? We're going to share this again at the end. Hallelujah. But so we've seen all these things, right? Assyria built Nineveh and the city of Rehoboth and Kela and resin between Nineveh and Kela, the same as a great city. And Mizraim, God lose <laughs> Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Beloved, if you check the scriptures here, you see the Canaanites, amen? You see Egypt, you see Assyria, you see Babylon. All came from one man, Nimrod. Hallelujah. Now, when you go back to Genesis 11, amen, you're now looking at the aftermath. This is like Exodus 19 and 20. Exodus 19 amen, has portions, all right, that are ex, exp, explained or expounded upon in chapter 20. Genesis chapter 10 has portions that are expounded upon in chapter 12, in chapter 11, sorry, which we're going to look at right now, amen. So now it says here, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. You know the reason why? Because Nimrod was a great hunter, amen. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain land of Shinar, that's where Nimrod built his cities, and they dwelt there, and they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Don't forget, Nimrod was getting these people, amen, from where? From where? From the community of people that were stewarding the presence of God. In other words, when the Bible says here, the whole earth was of one language, of one speech, there was a specific piece of real estate being referred to as the whole earth. This was not the entire planet. Now, I'm, the reason why I'm saying this is because we're going to just use our brains, amen? We're going to be very logical about it. When I say logical, the Bible was not written by idiots. The Bible was written by people that had the heads. They, they were geniuses. If you check the Bible, you can tell people that wrote these things were literally, they were literally geniuses. On top of the fact that, I, I, wait, that's even without taking into the fact that the Holy Ghost is resting on them. The guys that wrote these things were very skillful. Hebrew literature is very deep and very dense. You, you're, you're, not, you're not doing Hebrew literature if you're Idadoyo. Hebrew literature has mathematics inside, amen? The priesthood, amen? Being a priest, a priest in the Old Testament was a medical doctor, an accountant, amen? He was also a, a, a zoologist, <laughs> hallelujah. 
Amen. Some of them were also skillful in other tools and trades. Amen. Not straight trades per se, but like in other what say, career paths. Amen. Simply because of the demands of the priesthood. They were very productive and efficient people. Amen. Priests were not. You know, when you see the priests of, of darkness, how stupid they are. Amen. That's not the priests of God in the Bible, though. Priests of God in the Bible were elites. All of them were incredibly brilliant. You see Moses? Amen? Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say here is people that wrote the Bible were not idiots. They weren't stupid. Amen? When the Bible says the four corners of the earth, they, did, they knew the Bible was round. You can see that in Isaiah 40 and Job 38. The reference to the four corners of the earth, amen, is spiritual coordinates that were highlighted by the um, authors in Scripture. They're not making reference to physical corners of the earth. Amen? When he's seen the Bible, when Jesus Christ said hell is beneath, amen, he wasn't talking about the core, the earth's core, that, that um, hell is down. Because if the earth is round, then those in China who are pointing down to hell are pointing at a different na nation. <laughs> is everyone listening? Those of us in Africa pointing down. We're pointing at folks where... <laughs> is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Hell is not... It is about frequency. Amen? Dimensional coordinates. Jesus Christ was pointing at when he said that hell is from beneath. And I'm from above. You can travel upwards as far as you can, and you will never touch heaven because heaven's coordinates are not physical. Heaven's coordinates are spiritual. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I think everyone gets the idea, right? Hallelujah. People that wrote the scriptures were not stupid. Amen. They were very, very intelligent people. So when I see something that doesn't make sense, it means I need to spend time and check either the original language or the person that wrote the book, the Holy Ghost, to find out what he was saying. Amen. Why am I saying all of these things? Because if we saw earlier on, okay, that there were community of people that were seeking God and Nimrod was hunting, hunting them in the presence of God, that's one. Two, this happened after the flood, amen? And Nimrod was, I think, three or four generations after Noah, okay? So there was this worldwide flood that wiped out every single human being on the earth except for these guys, amen? But he had three sons. One of them was already a rebellious boy, okay? Since so already entered his heart, amen? You have these three boys, and he has two grandchildren forward, okay? Do you think that everyone on the planet is stupid enough to follow, to leave God and then follow this guy? Is everyone listening? Some people will because he was a mighty hunter, but not everyone. That's what I'm trying to get at here, okay? Is everyone listening? So when the Bible is saying the whole earth was of one language, the Bible's not saying here the entire planet. That Hebrew word there means the land, amen? There's a specific piece of real estate being pointed and referred to as the land, Amen? If you read your Bible and arrive at the conclusion off of one read, and you go for years with that conclusion, amen, that doesn't make it right. And doesn't mean that God is unfair because you ran away with your conclusion, amen. We just have to keep on coming back to the scriptures. So don't say in your mind, why didn't they make it simple? Why did they, you know, there's way we can complain about these things and why aren't these things plain and obvious? They're not plain and obvious because God is inviting us, amen, to spend more time in the scriptures. During the prayer, Pastor Uche explained this, right? You keep on seeing the different arrangements of things spiritually as God inviting us, amen, to spend more time with him in the scriptures, in prayer. Let's be a city and a tower who sought me reach into heaven, and let's make a name. Let's be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city. Jesus, the Lord. Amen. To see the city, excuse me. Amen. Behold, and the Lord said, Behold, the people are one, and they have all one language. Can I ask you a question? Who brought God down here? 
Do not forget to execute judgment on any piece of real estate. God needs someone to be interceding. How many of you know that? For righteous to be done. Because that's what's happened here. What, what should have happened here is that they should have been, if judgment was brought upon them, amen, the way we think about judgment as in destruction and chaos, amen, what would have happened instead was that instead of them, their languages being scattered, they would have been killed, right? Because that's what the wages of sin is. It's death, right? But instead you see a scattering. What was happening here? Beloved, people were interceding. Is everyone listening? There was a community of seekers of God that was taking place here, all right? And at this period of time, there were people that were seeking God and they brought God down. Some of you might not believe what I am saying. Let me ask you a question, all right? Because if you check from here to Abraham, it's not many generations, I think two or three generations left, all right? Before you get to Abraham, hallelujah, after the Tower of Babel. If you do the math, all right? and you check how old some people were, you would discover that when the Tower of Babel was being built, Shem was alive. Japheth was alive. Check your Bible, you will see it. Not just him, his children, they were alive also. Amen? They were inside of how many? One, two, Jem, Shem, Hephet, Noah's wife, and then their wives, that's six, seven, eight. Yes, eight of them, right? When they came out, after they came out, their children, Shem and Japheth, all right? Their children, amen? Hallelujah. They were all alive when this was happening. Is everyone listening? Is anyone understanding what I'm saying? I don't know if anyone is getting the, the gist here of the fact that there's a hidden story here. Sin forced God to come down, that's right, amen? But the way, what he came down to do, amen, was not destroy them, amen, which, which should have been the consequence of the Lord showing up, but because people's intercession, the languages were scattered. So the people were scattered and divided into different languages. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Um, is there anyone that doesn't understand what I am saying or needs like more explanation? So I want to make sure that I can arrive at a conclusion here before I keep on going. Amen? Because I want to kind of round, round up right now. I think it's rounding up time. Okay. All right. So I, I'm believing that everyone is in agreement, right? Is everyone in agreement? Thumbs up. Thumbs down. If you're not in agreement, thumbs down. If you're in agreement, thumbs up. I'm with you. That's good. Okay. Deyemi is with me and everyone else. All right. Everyone else on the Lord's side. Francis is you and me, the two Francis's. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all good. Amen. Um, don't be afraid to reread your Bible. Amen. Don't be afraid to not accept the status quo. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't think that because something sounds different that it is wrong. Something sounds different that it is wrong. Actually read your Bible. Remove the veil of what you think the Bible is saying and read it with an open mind. Amen. Oh, Pastor, good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. Good to see you, sir. <laughs> amen. Please, amen. Reread the scriptures. You discover that you don't know half of what's happening. Many people believe that it's rained. Oh, no worries, no worries, no worries. Amen. Many people think that, it, um, that um, um, Noah was in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. But if you check your Bible, that is just not true. It only rained for 40 days and 40 nights. No one was in the ark for over a year if you check the scriptures. Or at least they were not... The floodwaters were on the earth for over a year. Hallelujah. Okay. So you see here, 
The Lord came unto the city and the tower which the children of men, uh, men, men built. The Lord said, Behold, people are one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them which they have imagined to do. Come, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. The Lord has scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the whole earth. And he left off building the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. That is confusion. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old. We got a fact sad. A fact sad two years after the flood. Hmm, you see that? Samson came two years after the flood. Shem lived, let's see if we got a fact sad, 500 years. Okay. We got sons and daughters. And our fact sad lived. Um, 35 years, we got Selah, and effectively that's we got 403. When you do the math, beloved, you see that these people were all here. They saw the flood, and they were here watching the Tower of Babel happen, and they were interceding. Please, please, beloved, I beg you, read your Bible, amen, with an open mind, and keep track of some of these things. If you map out when the flood happened, from the flood to when Abraham showed up, and find out where the Tower of Babel was built, you will see that Shem was there. You will see that his sons were there. They were not part of the Tower of Babylon. Just like Adam, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't until after Adam had died, amen, that the war against the sons of God intensified in the book of Genesis chapter 5. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the reason why I brought up this story, amen, is to just show something. Hallelujah. And it is very simply this. Each of these books, amen, that we're looking at, amen, as in the book of the words of God, the book of life, it has all of them inside, right? The book of the words of God, book of the genealogy of God, amen. The book of the generations of God, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, amen. It's all one book, the book of life, amen. It has in mind a destination. And that destination, I'm going to quickly use that to round up today, amen. Revelations 22, from verse 18. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Hmm. If any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So can you see here? Excuse me. When someone's name is taken out of the book of life, they're also taken out of the city of God. Did everyone just see that? And we explained when we talk about the feasts, that all of the feasts are to make you that city of God, right? That's why when you partake of the feasts of the Lord, you end up, amen, hallelujah, as a temple of the Lord. You end up with the feast of tabernacle, amen? So you take the feast, you end up, amen, hallelujah, Becoming the temple of God, the tabernacle of God, the city of God. Amen. You take partake of the feast. Amen. And you get to experience the pages of the book of life. That which is written concerning you. Amen. The point I'm trying to pull out here is this. Hallelujah. That each of these books. Amen. They're actually a census of people. Amen. They're actually a transcript, a, a record, if you may. Amen. Of people from different cities. Let me just show this to you from the scripture. Hallelujah. Tyre and Sidon, saying this one was born there. Philistia. Psalms 84. Hallelujah. 
And we're going to end up on a very light note. Amen? The Bible says the foundation of God is in the holy mountains. That means that when, God wants to, when God's presence is established on the earth, it's in holiness, right? The Lord loves the gates of Zion with all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. What's happening here? All of these cities, amen, hallelujah, all of these cities, amen, are, are had at some point waged warfare against the people of God or were alternatives, amen, to the book, amen, to the city of God upon the earth. So you see kingdoms like the kingdom of Tyre, like the kingdom of the Philistines, like the kingdom of Ethiopia, like the kingdom of Egypt, Rahab there is Egypt, right? Hallelujah. Now the Bible says here, and of Zion it shall be said, this and that man were born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her, where? In the holy mountains, right upon Zion. The Lord shall count when he writes up the people that this man was born there, Selah. What is the Bible saying here? Amen. Everyone in the book of life, amen, hallelujah, amen, is a member of the city of God. Or let me phrase it like this. The purpose of the book of life is the construction of the city of God. Or let me phrase it like this. The book of life, amen, think of it like the blueprint or the architectural plans, amen, of the city of God. Now, the book of life, amen, was actually written across several generations, amen. It started off, God, wants, God opened the book of life to Adam, amen, the book of Genesis chapter, chapter 2. Right, chapter one. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. Amen. And the book of life shows up in the book of Revelation again. Amen. And you're going to see this book being open consistently throughout history. What's happening? The city of God is being constructed. The same way that Nehemiah was building the walls of Jerusalem. Amen. The same way that David built up Zion. Amen. The same way that Abraham was looking for a city, amen, whose builder and maker was God. He was looking for the contents of this book, the book of life. Is everyone listening? This book, amen, is, is, is um, you can call it the will of God, you can call it um, what's called the desire of God, the pleasure of God, amen, what God wants to do upon the earth, amen. We always explain that time and time again, right? Hallelujah. It captures the sum total of the construction of the city of God, of the construction of the temple of God, of the construction, hallelujah, of the tabernacle of God. Amen. And that tabernacle of God is that initial vision that God had, which was to make man or humanity in his image after his likeness. Again, we explain that this city is a community of people with different families and kindreds and tribes. All of them, amen, each family, amen, bringing forth unique incense to God that only their tribe can produce. Amen. Each family, each people group, each house, each generation. Amen successfully bringing forth something unique unto God. Hallelujah. Now I'm saying all these things. Why? Amen. Because the Bible says, hallelujah. Amen. That people who are members or who are written, sorry, who are members of this city, the Bible says the Lord shall count when he writes of the people that this man was born there. Hallelujah. Now the question I'll be asked, I guess maybe um, it was worth asking whatever it is. Um, I know we as believers, we know where our names are in there, right? Well, how does one's name get into this place? Amen. How does one um, become a member of the city of God? How does one find out if the name is in the book of life? Amen. 
Let me explain it in a very simple way. Amen. The book of life, like I said before, okay, is a transcript architectural plan of the city of God. If you are part of the building process, if you are partaking of the feasts, which starts for Pans on Passover and ends with tabernacles, amen? That means if you're born again and you want to look like Jesus, amen? Then what's happening? Your name is found where? In the book of life. The Bible says this one was born there. When anyone partakes of Passover, amen, your name is found where? In the book of life. And as you continue to partake of the festivals of the city of God, what's happening? More of the pages of the book of life, amen? You're finding more of, let me explain like this, okay? You're finding yourself, yes. But remember when the Bible says that um, he that takes pages out or content out of the book of life, his part shall be taken out of the book of life and his part of the, out of the city will be taken away as well, amen? There's references in the Bible that explain that people that overcome will become pillars in the temple of God, Amen? That the Lord will write upon them the name of the city of God, New Jerusalem, and it sends out of heaven from God. Amen? Everyone here should be familiar with that, right? Hallelujah. Essentially, what's happening here, amen? Let me explain it like this. The Spirit of God, amen, over the generations, amen, has carefully, amen, encountered people with one objective, one singular plan. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit works all things after the counsel of the will of God. The book of life amen and his objectives fulfill one thing christ jesus upon the earth is everyone listening now christ Jesus upon the earth is seen in many different ways amen but the way we're looking at right now is the city of god is everyone listening when the books are opened amen the reference or the the what's what's been it has been opened for is for the construction amen of the city of God. That is why in the book of Revelation, amen, when the seals are broken, why are they broken? So that when they're open, the city of God flows out of it. Is everyone listening? You see some people's heads are stamped with the name of the Lord after the seals are broken. Because those people, amen, that community of people are the city of God themselves. Is everyone listening? So as the book is being unsealed to you, beloved, what's happening? Contents of this book are being revealed to you. And you're becoming a member, a part of this city of God. Jesus Christ said it like this. In my father's house, there are many mansions. The father's house is Jesus Christ himself. He is the city of God. He is the tabernacle of God. Is everyone listening? But this tabernacle of God has been spread out through the ages. Amen? And in each age, amen, the book of life is opened and God begins to meet. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. That's so encouraging, sir. <laughs> God begins to meet people one by one, amen, that they will become members of this city. God met Abraham like this. Is everyone listening? And that's why Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. What was Abraham interested in? Abraham was interested in the unsealing of this book, amen, that he may know his part. Hallelujah. You see this with David. You see this with Moses. Moses knew, amen. That's why he told God when he went to go and see for Israel. Forgive these people, I pray thee. Otherwise, blot my name out of your book. In other words, let me, let me bear the reproach of these people. If you won't forgive them, let me take their iniquity. Hallelujah. Is everyone listening? So beautiful, right? What's happening? God is building a home. God is building a house. Amen? And this is a house that will bring him pleasure. Amen? If you are partaking of the feasts of God, amen, you are a member of this house. You are a member of the tabernacle of God. Hallelujah. Now, this tabernacle of God is spread out across several generations. Amen. 
And the Bible says that God has spoken in different ways throughout all these generations, right? Amen. That's the theme of our Watchman Prophetic Conference. Amen. Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. Hallelujah. This is the building. Hallelujah. This is what has been constructed. This is the book of life that is being opened, spanned across all generations. Amen. You know, there's something very interesting about um, um, this thing about building. Amen. You see references to this all throughout the scriptures. You see references in, in, in places like um, when God told Elijah, amen, that you should anoint Elisha in your room. Amen. In other words, um, that genealogy, amen, that spiritual genealogy of the spirit of Elijah is actually a room or a house. Amen. Jesus Christ said, in my father's house are many mansions. One of these mansions is called Elijah. Is everyone listening? There are other houses, right? One of them is called Abraham, right? There's a reference to a place called the bosom of Abraham, amen? I'm not referencing that place directly, but I'm letting you know that there's places, amen, all throughout the city of God, and they have the names of the people of God. How do I know this? The Bible says that the gates of New Jerusalem, amen, on the gates are written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The Bible also says that the, the walls of the city of God, amen, the foundation of the, of the, of the walls is what? the 12 apostles of the Lamb of God. Is everyone listening? So essentially what's happening is that God is building a city, but then what is so interesting is that you are becoming that city as you feast on God. Is everyone listening? So as we partake of the feasts, as we partake of the festivals, what's happening? The book is being opened, amen? And the things written in the book are being installed inside of you so that you are becoming that room that is Christ Jesus. That's room that is God. Hallelujah. We know this, right? Because at the end, all of us together, we will spell out the name Christ Jesus. This is the reason why when people saw Jesus in the gospel stories, they thought he was a prophet. Like, is this, this, this is Elijah now? This looks like Elijah. We've seen this house before. This is Elijah's house. Someone said, no, 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 Elijah, that's Jeremiah's house. Amen? That's Jeremiah. Someone said, that's Isaiah. Is Isaiah the prophet? Isaiah is the prophet. Someone said, that John the Baptist come back from the dead. Hallelujah. But you know the wonderful thing? When the book is open to you, amen? When the book of life is open to you, you won't just see Isaiah. You won't just see Jeremiah. You won't just see Elijah. Amen? You will see that Christ Jesus is the entire building. Is everyone listening? This is exactly what happened to Peter. The Bible says that when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Hallelujah. They said, some say that you are Elijah. Some say you are this, you are that. Amen. Then when he asked them, who do you say that I am? Then Peter, after being filled by the spirits of God, the one that unseals the book, notice he said, he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. You are the entire building. Amen. You are the temple of God. You are the city of God. Jesus looked at him and he said something. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My father, which is in heaven. In other words, the book has been opened to you. Amen. And because the book has been opened to you, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Amen. That you allow you to shut and to open. And he now says something to Peter. Peter, you are now a living stone in the temple of my God. A foundation stone. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? As you discover Christ in the scriptures, beloved, as the book is unsealed to you, you know what's happening to you as well? You are also being made, what? The city of God. You are part of that construction, amen? That incredible building that has been, you know, being constructed over several generations.
by the Spirit of God. And it's the last verse I'm going to read. I promise you, y'all. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> Anyone believe my promises? <laughs> you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the entire building fitly framed together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for our habitation of God through the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, sir. I, I feel my problem. I'm going to end right now. Thank you, beloved, for joining us. This is Word for Now. Hallelujah. Pastor Francis Seaborn sends love and his greetings. Amen. This is our original graphic for the meeting. Hallelujah. It normally would take place every Monday from um, and Wednesday from 8 p.m. till about 9. But um, I feel like today might be the last day. I don't know if I'm going to be available on Wednesday just because of all the work we're doing towards the immersion. Hallelujah. But if I am available, you will see a notification about that time. And the reason why I might not be available is because we're working on the immersion, right? We're setting up. We're shutting down. We're doing lots of things. Amen. A lot of stuff. Hallelujah. And um, we want to invite you to pray. And if you haven't registered yet, please do. Hallelujah. People are offering, um, many people are offering um, scholarships. Amen. So if you can give to, that would be wonderful. Hallelujah. Towards um, young people that can, maybe can't afford to be a part of it, but they, um, they need to be. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, let me see here, um, upcoming events. I think that's it, right? That's everything. Awesome. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> so grateful. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, this is the end of tonight's session. I believe we should be having open book tomorrow. If it is not happening and we have ended um, our Crystal Rivers altogether, you will be notified long ahead of time. This is Word for Now. Love you too, Francis. And Jesus loves you more. Jesus dreams, everyone. Good night. <laughs>